coming to be the pastor here in a few uh, in a few weeks, month or so. So that was an incredible blessing to be able to have Paul be here, and uh, looking forward to that as well. And then um, uh, Will spoke one week and shared from the Psalms with us, which was fantastic. And then Steve came and spoke as well. So it was great to be able to hand that off and, and have those guys be a part of uh, speaking and sharing God's Word as well. Whenever I go home, and for those of you who don't know, I really live in Sacramento area of California outside of there, and, and I get to go home about every other month. And I, I, uh, the last time that I was home, not this time, but the last time that I had been home, there's always like a list that my wife has for me to do. And so I got the list, and one of those things is usually to cut down the property and keep it trimmed up and all that. And we have this riding mower that is sort of a miracle in itself. But anyway, the, the mower, um, last time I was home, went out, and both of the big back tires were flat. And so I pumped them back up, had a little compressor, pumped them back up. They seemed to hold for a bit, but then one of them would not hold any air. It was old and all that. So I unbolted it, took it out, went to uh, a tire place, found the tire for it, um, you know, and came back. It was jacked up, put it back on, tightened the bolts, dropped it down, and the other one was holding, got a brand new tire on one and the other old one, but it was holding, and got the property cut and all that and thought, good to go. So when I got home this time, that was another thing, had to go out and cut the property again and got out, looked at the riding mower, and the new tire was doing well. But the other one that I didn't replace was flat. So I pumped it up thinking, well, maybe it just needs some help. No, it just kept going. So again, jacked it up, undid the tire, took it off, got it to the tire place, got another new tire. So now I have two brand new tires on the back of my tractor, put it on the riding mower, bolted it in, got onto the, got onto the mower, and I hadn't fired it up for a while. So it took a minute, but it fired up. Fired it up roaring. It's doing great. I think, okay, I'm off to get this part of the project done. Put it in gear. It's making a lot of noise, but we're not going anywhere. I forgot to take it off the jack. So, anyway. So I dropped it off the jack, took it out, did, got everything taken care of. But it just reminds me that sometimes... There are some basic things in our relationship with God, in our participation in the church. We need to just take care that all of those things are in the right order, that we've got them working. And that's really kind of what this series is about. And I, I put out, and around you, you might see them. I'm a church member of the book, and we bought a whole bunch of copies for folks. There's some on chairs. If you didn't get one, find one. If you need one, let us know in the office. We'll order more. But we launched that kind of series today, and it's really a series that all of our small groups, we're asking them to go through. If you're not in a small group, we have an open group that will be here that I'll lead tonight with Vinny, and that's at 5.30 for a little over an hour. We'll be together, you'll meet some new people, and uh, it'll be a great time. So I'm a church member, it's out there. We ask people, it's $5 for the book, if you can't pay that, just take the book. If you want to, you can just let us know and drop off some money, but we really don't We'd love to get the books in the hands of everybody. So one per family, if you've got them. There are some sitting around on chairs. If they didn't get taken in the first service, most of them did. But there are more, and we can order more. I think we're going to order a bunch more anyway. But the reason we're doing this is because it, it is a way of helping us to focus in on some very, very important things. And one of those is, what does it actually mean 
What does it actually mean to be a part of the church? And when we talk about, I am a church member, which is the title of the book, we're not necessarily talking about, I signed on the dotted line, I filled out forms, and I'm an official member, as good as that may be, we're really talking about what does it mean to belong to the body of Christ? What does it take for me to belong and be a part of the active body of Jesus in a location like this, in a local church? What does it take? What is that all about? And that's what the book is about. It's, it's helping us to think through and remind us of some of the core and essential things that go with belonging to a church. What does God expect of us? It would be good to know. And if God expects some things from us, how are we doing in relationship to God's expectations for us? Around here we have a, a saying which is really kind of a mission or vision statement that goes, connect, grow, serve. That's a hallmark of who we are, connect, grow, serve. It means to connect with God and others, which is what worship and sharing the good news with other people is about. We connect with God and with others. The grow piece is to grow in faith, which is about discipleship. How am I growing in my relationship with God? That's discipleship and also fellowship to grow in the faith with other people. And serve is about serving the church and the world, which is about mission and about ministry and about service. That's, that's kind of the hallmark of who we are. I love that. It allows us to rethink. This opportunity allows us to rethink what we're here for. What is the church about? And why at this time? Well, I think because we, we stand on the threshold of embracing a new pastor that will help to lead us in that mission. And what better way, as I thought it through, what better way for the church than to take a few weeks to settle into some of those primary pieces of what it means to be an active part and a participant in the body of Christ. And so I might ask you along the way a few questions today um, that have to do with that. But that's why we're doing it. And I hope that if you're I hope that you will engage in one of those small group opportunities, either in the small group that you're in, because they'll be going through this book, or if you're not in a small group and would like to be a part of an open group, a larger group, I think we have 35 or so people signed up for this evening, come and be a part of that, we'll make it bigger, that'll be great. That's here, there's child care, you can come at 5.30 to 6.45, and we're going to go through the first chapter of the book. Doesn't matter whether you've read it or not, you can read it afterwards, but that's what we're talking about. Love to have you do that. Well, most of what we're talking about today from Scripture comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13. So here we go. I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14 and verse 27. It reads as follows in the New King James Version. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, or whether slave or free. And all have been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body 
is not one member, but many. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. In the book, I am a church member, it is talking about the attitudes that we bring and the responsibilities that we engage in as being a part of the church and members of the body of Christ. When I use that word member, I'm not talking again about official membership, as good as that may be. I'm talking about what it means to be a participant in the body of Christ. So whether you're a member here or not, whether you're an attender here, it's about being a part of what God is doing here. I wish that all of you were members, but that isn't always the way it is. That's okay. But it really is talking about what does it mean to be a part of an active body of Christ, a church. What is that all about? The book addresses without any apology what's expected for those who join and are a part of the body of believers. It's about an attitude that is consistent and biblical, that's healthy. And having an attitude like that, matters of giving and serving and so forth, will fall into place very naturally. Very naturally. The book points out six key commitments of functioning church members. And again, we're not talking about official members, we're talking about people who are actively involved in a church. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about those things. And so if you're following along in your outline, I've listed those six chapters, and I'm going to combine several as we're only doing four weeks on them, so they'll go as follows. So if you're looking at that with, with me, it goes like this. This week, we will be focusing in on this commitment. I will be a functioning church member. And what that's about is how can I best be involved and serve my church? How can I best be a part of God's church here? A second week, we will combine chapters 2 and 3, which are these. I will be a unifying church member. In other words, I will be about developing unity and forgiveness and compassion with people around me. And the third chapter, tied with that second one, is this. I will not let my, I will not let my church be about my preferences and my desires. And that's talking about kind of the attitude that some have of entitlement. Whereas the gospel is really not about entitlement in that way at all. It's talking about serving and putting others first. And the third week we'll talk about chapters 4 and 5, which will be, I will pray for the pastor and for my church leaders. Now many of you have been praying for Paul and his wife Mary, and I just encourage you to keep doing that. I'm so excited that they're coming. What an awesome opportunity for us. But you know, when they come here, there's a lot of things that are changing for them. They'll change for us, but for them. They've served a church for 20 plus years, the same church in Chicago. They're moving from Chicago across the country to Arizona. That cultural shift will be huge for them. They don't know anybody here. They know a few of us that they've met a couple of times, but they really don't know people here. How will we embrace them? How will we step right alongside of them to help assist them so that when they get here, they kind of hit the ground running and can engage in our community and be a part of it? So be praying for them. Many of you have been praying for them. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the elders of the church. We know that the responsibility of the pastors and the elders of a church are to oversee 
the rest of the church. To make sure that people are cared for. That they're growing in their faith. That they're challenged. That they're renewed. That they are taken care of. So pray for the, that's a heavy responsibility. I don't take that lightly as a pastor. Our elders don't either. Their job is to oversee the flock of God right here. Who is the flock of God here? Is it different from the flock of God that's at Central Christian or at Cornerstone? Well, yes, it is a little bit different. And that's a little bit why knowing who belongs here is really important for the elders and pastors to officially know who the flock is. Not that you just drift in and out, but that you've rooted in here. And there are people that are caring for you, and that's their role. And that you can be cared for in the process and be a part of that. So be praying for your church leaders and for Paul and Mary as they come here. And I would just say thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for me and for Jean and for our family. Could not have done it without those prayers. Could not have been this far apart from my wife for those periods of time without your prayers. Could not have done it. Could not have served in this capacity without people praying. Thank you. Thank you for praying. And I'll just share with you really briefly, you know, during the time of my doing this, it's like comes to when it looks like, hey, things are kind of wrapping up here that I'm like, okay, God, what, what is happening? And I haven't been too worried about that. God's provided along the way. But I, I wonder, okay, God, what's next? What is next? A couple of months ago, kind of out of the blue, I got contacted by a church in my area fairly close to my home. Out of the blue. Wasn't seeking it, wasn't looking for it, nothing. And this church started to contact me and talk with me about becoming their pastor. And I accepted becoming their pastor this past week. So thank you. So thank you for praying. Now really start praying for that place. Pleasant Grove Community Church. It's a community church, evangelical church. I'm very excited to, to be going there. Many challenges there. Not, not something that I even thought, yet God made that path open up. And a lot of that's because you prayed for, for us. So God, God is blessed in that way. But the main thing I want you to not miss here is pray for your leaders. Pray for Paul and Mary as they come. You know, pray for the elders of the church. Thank the elders of the church for what they're doing. Assist them. Step up with them. Thank the search committee who has put in hours and hours of prayer and deliberation to find the right person to seek God in that process. So pray for those. That's also connected in that third week with I will lead my family to be healthy church members. And what that's about is how can we encourage our family members, our spouse, our kids, people we're connected to in our family to, to be on board at the church and to have a good experience at church and to encourage them in their own walk with God. How can we do that? How can we love on our immediate family and be supportive and encouraging to them? And then the final week is I will treasure church membership as a gift. Church membership is a gift. Our ability to be a part of the body of Christ is the gift of God. And honor it that way. Honor it that way. Anyway. Hey, I didn't mention this, and I probably should because people ask me anyway. But hey, I, uh, um, as time wraps up here for me, I'm really only here two more, two more Sundays with you. 
So this weekend and a couple more. I've enjoyed being here a ton and really have loved being here. And so thank, thank you for that. But just kind of so you know. Anyway, hey, here's what I want to do. On the board, um, a while ago, this was years ago, we moved from one area to another area. We moved our house, our kids, the whole deal. We moved into a new area, didn't really know anybody. We're getting connected to a new ministry and all that. And, uh, and just as we moved, just as we just got there, we didn't have time to find out who the dentist or the doctors were or any of that stuff. We had no clue who to even ask about that kind of stuff. But I got really, really ill. And I've always been kind of slight of build, but I mean, I got really, really ill. I mean, I wasn't keeping anything down. It was coming out every area. There was like nothing. I was like major sick. I mean, I had a fever that wouldn't break. I was really hurting. And Gene said, we've got to get you to a doctor. And so I don't know how we figured it out, but somehow we got connected, got a doctor's appointment. You know, it's like going to the doctor when you get there. And first you're in that outside room and you got to fill out like all these forms that ask you for all kinds of stuff. And you do that and you're just like out of gas anyway. And then they put you in that other the little room where you're waiting for the doctor, the examination room. And the doctor walks in, never met me before, looks at me, says, wow, you really have lost weight. He never met me before. How does he know? But that is just bizarre. And then I go, you know, just giving me a diagnosis, and he hadn't even seen me before, doesn't even know me. You know when you take your car sometimes and you hook it up to one of those computers, those diagnostic computers, and it will tell you, hey, these are the areas where your car's doing great, or here are the areas where you need some help. Know what I'm talking about? It's doing a diagnostic. Well, today I want to do a little bit of a church diagnostic with you, and I want you to help me here, and I, I'm just, at, what I'm asking of you this morning is like, help me, um, what are some, um, what are some diagnostics of a healthy church? What, what makes up a healthy church? What are the things that, that a healthy church needs? Commitment, okay. And I'm going to try to spell these sort of. Okay, commitment, what else? Growth, okay, good. Good, what else? What's that? Leadership, good, okay. And there's no bonus points, plus or minus for spelling. So, okay, there you go. Okay, leadership, what else? A healthy church, what does it need? Serving, okay. Did I hear community? Community, did I hear community? Okay, good. If not, I'm just making it up. Okay, serving community, good. What else? Compassion. Okay. Hope, all right, good. Okay, anything else? Evangelism. Sharing the good news with people, okay. A healthy church, that's a pretty good list. Anything else on there? Yeah, go. Okay, love for God and for members. Oh, good, okay, good, okay. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Trust. Good. Good. Yeah. 
Can't have much of a church without trust. Bible-based, okay? Good, good. Worship, there you go, okay. I was a little worried about you guys because you started slow and now you're cranking, which is great. The first service was like... <laughs> Holy Spirit, awesome, all right? Okay. See, if it just, you can't read my writing, that's kind of on purpose. Okay, good. All right, transparency, great. What's that? Oh, okay, oh, wow, okay, all right, good. Discipleship. And new believers. You guys are doing really good. In fact, I think you probably passed the first service, which we kind of knew that would happen anyway. This is an accelerated group. Okay, good. So, um, some of those guys, you wonder if they're sleeping. No, not just kidding. They're, they're great. Um, yeah, so a healthy church has this stuff. I mean, that's a great list. That is a great list. We want to be a part of a church like that, that has that kind of dynamic stuff happening, right? And yet, the great thing about that is we are the ones that God's poured into to make those things real. In other words, God fleshes out these things through you and me. Amazing. We're not that good, but together we are, right? Because God's Spirit is in us. Love that. Great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway. Um... Well, I'm just going to pull out four kind of key characteristics that I think are really, really core and essential. There's many, but I'm going to pull four out today for you, and if you're following along with your notes, um, here they go. And I'll do them pretty quickly, so stay with me. They're kind of four characteristics of members of the body of Christ that we are exhibiting these four things. These are like, these are the must list in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. You with me? Okay, so here we go. The first one is contribution. Contribution. And what I mean by this, let me read from 1 Corinthians 12, 20 to 23. But now indeed, <clears throat> there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Well, what, what, is, what is the writer Paul talking about here? Let me just point out a couple of things to you. One is he talks about the eye, the hand, the visible parts. The visible parts in the body are, are things like the pastors, the teachers, elders, people who are up front, they're seen. They, they, have, they have that role. We see those parts. They're the, they, outwardly, they're easily identifiable. The second, he says, are those that are not so seen, and we might see them as insignificant, but they're anything but insignificant. They may not be seen, but they are essential to the life of the body. They are the heart. 
the lungs, the brain, the liver, they are those parts of the body that are core essentials to what's happening in the body of Christ. And then he said there are those parts that we sort of cover over. We clothe them. They're a little more private. We keep them a little bit hidden. They're modest in a sense. Those are the parts of the body. Those are the people in the body who are much less to draw attention to themselves at all. They do the behind the scenes kinds of things. But Paul says all of the parts are essential. You lop off a part, a member of your body, you're in trouble. Right? You're in trouble. You lop off an arm, you're in trouble. If we try to adhere something from over here and make it a part of our body, that doesn't work so well either. And we have people like that at church who come for a little while, but then they don't like something, so they leave. That's not really what it means to be a part of the body, is it? No, the body is organic. It's God within the context of each of us, yet each and every area of the body is important. So that's, that's the contribution piece. The truth is that most people in our world think that the, that the world is about them. Often Christians reflect those same attitudes as non-Christians about life. It can carry over in their attitude toward being a part of the body of Christ. We hear things like this. Someone will say something like, if I have time, then I'll come to church. If it's convenient for me, then I'll, I'll serve in some capacity at the church. If I'm not too tired, I'll show up at Bible study. If I've got nothing better to do, then I might help. All of these things say that life is about me. And that's not the church. The truth is that life is about serving Christ. And the church is about serving Christ. So if you want to be a part of a dynamic, healthy church, it's about serving Christ. Good. So let me ask you this first diagnostic question in relationship to contribution. How are you contributing here? And where are you personally involved in serving Christ here? Okay, number two. Number two is unity. Let me read this from 1 Corinthians 12, 24 and 25. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. In the book, he uses an illustration that when he was growing up as a boy, Thomas Rainer, into his town came a country club developed. And no one knew what a country club was, but they went to check out the country club. And we know that a country club, what a country club is amazing. If you have a top-tier country club, that country club provides, you pay dues, and then they provide great stuff. I mean, they provide like the best golf course in town. They provide like the best uh, training equipment and exercise equipment, don't they? And they have the, the great buffet and they'll cook you food and they'll serve you whatever needs you have. That's the country club. The country club, membership in the country club is just that. It's like I pay my dues, I expect great service. But that's not what the church is about at all. The church is the opposite of a lot of that stuff. We're a, part, we're a part of the body of Christ that's here to serve. Jesus said, Jesus said, 
The Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You and I are the ransom. You, are the, you and I are the ones that, that Jesus has bought with a precious price. And Jesus is the model to serve others. And an interesting little thing is that when we serve others in the body of Christ or outside, we ourselves are honored. We get to receive blessing from God in the process. And we're served. But it's about serving others, not serving ourselves. That's what unity is about. It's, it's about serving other people. So here's my diagnostic on unity. How is your personal commitment to building unity here? How are you doing at serving others and lifting them up? I've been a part of churches where, you know, you walked out of a meeting and the next thing there's people over here out in the parking lot and they're talking down on other people or talking about how bad things are. No, 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 wait a minute. How, is, how are you doing in the area of building unity? That's a very important. Here's the third. Compassion. We listed it up here. It's huge, compassion. From 1 Corinthians 12, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the other members are honored with it. Compassion is full of caring relationships. Compassion is challenging because when we are compassionate, it's interesting that when we show compassion to people, we receive the compassion of Christ in our lives. When we exhibit the compassion of Jesus for other people, God is compassionate toward us. Hope does this very well. Hope is a very compassionate church. Hope is willing to serve people's needs. Hope comes alongside to help people when it understands needs. I am very impressed with hope in the area of compassion. It has a heart and hallmark for compassion, and not just with its members, its, its group of people that come here each week. It has compassion for the community. It's involved in serving and helping and providing for other types of people within our community, children all the way up. That's an honorable thing, to be a compassionate church. Let's not stop doing that. When we stop being compassionate, we stop being healthy. We stop living out one of the key models of, of what it means to be Christ-like in our world. But how are you doing personally with compassion? Are you expecting hope to just be compassionate? How are you doing in growing in your own personal compassion? A compassion toward your spouse. Toward your son or daughter. Toward your neighbor. Toward somebody in the church that you haven't spoken to for a while. How are you doing in the area of compassion? Here's the last one. Love. In 1 Corinthians 12.31, it says this. After he's talked about these things, he says this, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Then we jump down into chapter 13, verse 13. A bunch of verses. And it says this, and now abide faith, 
hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. I will show you a more excellent way, and then the greatest of these is love. And then something happens in between the context of those two verses. And what happens in the context between those two verses is the beginning of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is all about giving us kind of the model and measurement of the love of God. And we hear those verses read time and time again when we go to weddings. But it's not just for weddings. It is the model of Christ-likeness in a person's heart and life that is living compassionately with God. It is about how to love people and what's involved in loving relationships with people. I will show you a more excellent way, and let me tell you, love is the most important thing. You can be on that tractor, you can be on that riding mower, and you can have it throttled all the way to the hills, but if you're just spinning your wheels, if you haven't sunk down, and love is a part of what's going on, you're not going anywhere. It means to engage our life fully into the life of God and to begin to love people like God loves people. We all need that part. So let me ask you, how are you doing diagnostically? How are you doing in loving Christ? Because that's the first thing. You've got to love Jesus first before you begin to love other people. To the point that you're loving and committed to His body, the bride. It's interesting, isn't it? It says that on, the, on the, the body image is that Jesus is the head, we're the body. You can't lop off the head, you can't remove the body. Nope, they're connected, they're organic. Got to have the head connected to the body. It says that, that we're the bride of Christ, which means that Jesus is the groom. We are intimately connected to Jesus in a relationship of the groom to the bride. So you can't just sort of jump in and out of the relationship and have a fling with Jesus every once in a while. No, this is Jesus is the bride. Jesus is the groom. We're the bride. Jesus is the head. We're the body. It's an organic thing. So very important for us to catch that. Hmm. Diagnosis is not always easy. Spiritual diagnosis is not always easy. But it should reveal to us that the great physician is always with us, is always working, always striving, always moving us toward health in all of these things. The great physician looks at his church and he says, this is the healthy church. Are we engaged in that kind of church? Are we committed in our own life to Jesus in such a way that we fall more in love with him? Some years ago, I was at home, and I was visiting my dad. My dad lived in the Bay Area, and I live up in Sacramento. And when I get down to the Bay Area, um, I would try to work it out so that I could stay with my dad overnight. So I'd be able to be with him for a bit. He's living alone in his house, and I, I, I would come and stay with him. He's an older guy, and I would try to make it so that I could get there to be able to have dinner with him, sleep there, get up in the morning, I'd drive home. And usually that would work out, but this one time it didn't work out, and I was able to be there in the afternoon, have dinner with him, wrapped up dinner and stuff, but I needed to get home, and I had to drive home. It was probably 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night when I left my dad's house, little town, Moraga, California, not very big. Got pulled out of his driveway, down the road, to the bottom of the hill, 
got to the bottom of the hill where the street intersects, the kind of the main street in the area. Just as I came to the stop sign at the main street, uh, there were fire engines roaring up the street in front of me. I had to wait for them to go by. Now, Moraga's not very big, so usually I think we have maybe two fire engines, maybe, maybe one and a half. But anyway, so like five fire engines come roaring by. Something big is happening here. So these fire engines come roaring by, and I'm like, wow, what is up? There is a problem here in town. I pulled out around, and I drove down the street, and I was, I was behind them quite a ways. And I got to the, the signal, probably the one signal in town. I got to the signal. I had to turn left. And as I turned left, I looked down the street about, oh, two or three blocks. And every fire engine was on both sides of the street. And there were hoses being pumped and being connected to the to the uh, fire hydrants over on the side and running these big hoses across the street and up in an embankment and into a building. And there were firemen running across and back and forth in the middle of the street and running into this building and water is spurting from these fire hoses and from all these lines that are laying in the middle of the road. You know when you come to a situation like that where there's an emergency, you do several things. Usually when you drive up, you kind of drive up and sometimes you, you just sort of drive up real slow. And you go really slow because obviously there's an emergency happening and you might just slow down almost to a stop and you have to drive over the fire hoses and all that and you kind of look around but you just kind of keep on going. Or maybe you come up to that place where there's that intersection of activity and you drive up and you slow down really, really slow. In fact, you slow down so much that, that you, you come to a stop and you look around to try to figure out what, what in the world is going on here. And then sometimes you'll drive up to that intersection or that, that where all that's going on and you drive up and you slow down and you slow down and you might even roll your window down and you look around and if there's somebody nearby, a policeman or a fireman, you might call out, you might say to them, hey, what, what's, go, what's going on here? Or sometimes maybe you, you drive up and as you enter that myriad of activity that's going on there and you know that something big is happening and you drive up and, and you come to that point you might even roll down your window you might even say hey is there any way is there anything I could do to help but you drive on I didn't do any of those I drove into that situation I immediately drove to the side of the road and jumped out of my car I ran up across that street, water pouring out of all of those pipes. I ran up that street and up that embankment and right into the middle of that building. And firemen are running around inside and out of that lobby. Water's everywhere. And I stood in the middle of the lobby of this building and yelled, where's my mom? Because that's the convalescent hospital my mom was in. Now, I didn't do that. I didn't do that because I'm a great guy. I didn't do that because I wanted to be in the newspaper. I didn't do that because I have a great ego or I'm a good Samaritan. I did that for one reason only. I love my mom. Jesus ran into the fire for you. Jesus went to the cross for you. And he did it for one reason. He didn't do it to be Messiah of the month. He didn't do it to make a point with the Pharisees and religious leaders. He didn't even do it to fulfill biblical prophecy. Jesus did it for one reason and one reason alone. Because he loves you. And he'd do it again.
don't ever forget the fact that Jesus loves you. And he would do anything to have you in relationship with him. I love these verses, and I'll close with this. I love these verses in Ephesians chapter 2. They are so powerful. They're raw, and they're real. Listen to them as God says them into your life. As for you, you were dead. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of he, uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you love us. When we were unlovable, you loved us. When we needed community, you created the church. When you wanted a place for us to belong, you empowered us with gifts and abilities. Dear Jesus, reach into our hearts and minds today and remind us to renew ourselves in a commitment not to membership in that way, but to membership in the body of Christ. That we would not miss out on who you are. Jesus, would you just bless us today and remind us of who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.